Today, we welcome Tracy for her on-air coaching call. You'll hear Tracy talk about her son who just completed 10th grade. She tells us the story of her son's academic journey, what ultimately brought them to an ADHD diagnosis, and asks for our help in figuring out how to help her son move forward. You'll hear her share about her son's denial of his ADHD diagnosis and hear us share about some of the strategic next steps she can take to get more clarity and get the right help. You'll hear the importance of mentorship and going towards the affinities of the struggling learner and also a very frank conversation about how sometimes mom and dad are not the right people to quote unquote help their kids get to the next level. Tracy is amazing and shares some insecurities about parenting styles and choices she's made over the years, but here's what we want to highlight about that. Just like we always say, every learner wants to please, we also know that every parent makes the best decision they can at the time. So smarties, and we're talking to parents and teachers here, please forgive yourselves. You did exactly the best you could at the time. When we talk about growth, forgiveness, and resilience for our learners, we want that for you too. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 117 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap. And today we're welcoming Tracy to the podcast. Welcome, Tracy. Hey, nice to be here. We're so glad to have you here. You know I'm excited. <laughs> we know you're excited. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> I just think you guys are so amazing. Well, we appreciate it. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah. I'm thrilled. So why don't you share what drew you to our podcast and what you want to chat about today? Kind of like bring us up to speed a little bit. I would love to. So I found your podcast. My son is ADHD. He's 16 and I love listening to ADHD podcasts. He's very much in denial about his ADHD. So that's a big, big, big issue. He doesn't embrace it. So, you know, what I feel about ADHD is that if you work with it, there's so much to be done. You know, it's fine as long as you realize that your brain is wired differently and you can do this and you can do that. And, but unfortunately we can't make any of that progress because he is like, no, I don't have ADHD. So I'm trying to learn as much as I can for the day when he has some kind of an epiphany and he can get some help. So I'm listening to ADHD podcasts a lot and I wanted a new one. So I was looking and I found Penny Williams, I think is her name. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And you guys were on there. You were her guests that day. Mm -hmm. And you were talking about what you do with educational therapy. And I'd never heard of it. And I felt like you were speaking to me. I mean, every single thing you said, my jaw was on the floor and I was jotting down notes like, how can I bribe my son to listen to this? Because mm -hmm. he needs to hear this too, because it's so what he's going through, everything you guys were talking about on that podcast. So I emailed you and I told you all that. And then you invited me on for coaching to help me out. So here I am. Perfect. I just want to say that Penny was also on our podcast and we've already linked that episode in the show notes. So that was episode 91. If you haven't gone back and listened to it, that was a really good one. Thank you. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about his academic journey, what led you to the diagnosis, and then how it presents. His academic journey has not been positive. 
he had a super strict kindergarten teacher. It was her first year teaching. It wasn't good. <laughs> he wasn't thrilled to go to school to begin with. Some kids are wanting to go. He really wasn't. And then it was like, I truly think kindergarten's a super important year. And I think the tone was just off from the get-go. Of course, he had the ADHD. We didn't know it though. We didn't know it until quite late. He hasn't really been tested for learning disabilities. And I'm really leaning towards thinking that he has those because the ADHD, it's definitely there, but we didn't notice it till seventh grade. So he wasn't that kid that literally couldn't sit still. He does have combined type. Mm -hmm. We're pretty flexible parents. You know, he still gets up from the dinner table. He doesn't love to sit unless he's playing video games, of course. Mm -hmm. But everything was fine. I really didn't notice, even though his sister's a high achiever. I know you guys have talked about that on your podcast sometimes where there's like a sibling that's a high achiever and that creates problems. So we've got that, but he's the younger sibling. Mm. In school, he was still doing great because it was elementary school and he's bright. So I think that happens a lot too. I've heard that yes. they don't find out yeah. Yeah, until they're like third or fourth grade. Everything was fine and normal until fourth grade. Mm. He was my easy kid. You know, my daughter's not the easiest kid either. You know, she's crazy bright and kind of like black and white thinker and rigid. So I've had two difficult kids, but he was my easy one until fourth grade when things got harder. Mm -hmm. He couldn't really compensate anymore. It was a combination of that and the style of teaching. I think she was more of a rigid, it was a Catholic school, which was a terrible fit for my kids, which I didn't realize at the time. Yeah, Yeah. it was terrible, terrible. Mm -hmm. Bad kid, good kid. That's my best way of describing it. Yes. So you guys get it. Yeah. Either you were the kid that towed the line or you weren't. In the box or outside the box. Yeah. And my kids are both outside the box. Yeah. I don't know what I was... You didn't know. Yeah. I really didn't know. I don't beat myself up. It's just so clear to me now. At the time, I was just in it. Yeah. But anyway, I think she was very anxious and rigid and he tends to be anxious and very, very sensitive. That's a big part of his whole personality. He's very sensitive. I see other kids with ADHD and they seem to roll with it. They get so much negative feedback. And I'm a teacher, so I notice the kids that I feel are like my son, and I feel for them so much, and I try to help them and understand why they're not sitting down or why they need a little bit of extra whatever, extra love. I try to be so understanding and positive towards them because I feel like that's what my son needed and didn't get. But in the beginning of the year, he came to me and said... This year or fourth grade? Fourth grade. He came to me and said, you need to talk to my teacher. Now, I was kind of in the box, or I was trying to put them in the box. They weren't fitting, but I guess I've really come out of the box a lot. At that point, I was like, well, she's the teacher. You know, I'm a teacher. You're supposed to listen. And that was what everybody around me was saying. We're the teachers. They have to listen to us. You know, I was unfortunately in there with that. So when he said that to me, I was like, listen, if they're telling you you're not doing something that you need to be doing. You need to be doing it. I'm not going to talk to your teacher. You're telling me she's telling you you're doing something wrong. You need to go do it right. I remember saying that. Mm-hmm. And I went into this grocery store. I left him in the car to get him Doritos. I just remember this is like the turning point. Mm-hmm. And we were having that conversation. He wasn't upset. He doesn't have a big temper and he's not like that whole emotional dysregulation, like that's not a big thing for him. So I go into the store and I get the Doritos and I come back and he has broken the gear shift off my car. Oh. Yeah. I still can't even remember. Like I was in shock. Like, yeah. 
I guess I have to talk to your teacher. <laughs> so I was thinking like, okay, uh, this is a bigger deal than I realized. So that was when I knew, and he wasn't even reeling or mad. Maybe I blocked it out, but he doesn't do stuff like that. Yeah. So he was really upset. And I started talking to the teacher. She and I talked regularly, but nothing got resolved. He was just naughty from her perspective, not paying attention, not fooling around. He'd gotten into the class clown thing. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know how to handle it at all. She's just telling me he's bad. I was trying to advocate as best I could. I didn't want to say he's telling me you don't like him. I probably should have, but I was uncomfortable saying that because I taught at the school. So she was my colleague. Uh, So it was all so uh, uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little too complicated. It was so complicated and terrible. And we got through that year. It was so difficult because he didn't want to go to school. We wound up getting a psychologist involved, although she diagnosed anxiety that year, not ADHD. Mm. I let him stay home a couple of days. I was so not knowing how to handle this and he was not wanting to go so desperately. And what wound up happening was And I hate this too, because I wouldn't have done it this way now in retrospect. But we talked to a number of psychologists who told us, you have to get him to school. My impression was it was just going to start a really bad thing where he would never go. So he would kick and scream and fight so hard. He would open the van door to jump out. So my husband would have to drive and I would have to sit on him. Mm. Yeah. And he had fits that year. That year was like no other year in his life. He would have these fits where he would throw things and scream and spit in my face. And I used to have to like pin him down because he was like acting like a wild person. And in retrospect, he was struggling so much, but I was so scared. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess that's something I've really learned is fear takes over and it's really not good. I don't think it's good to let your fear drive you. But that's what I was doing. I was just like, oh my God, he has to go to school. I was just laser focused on getting him to school no matter what it took because that was what the professionals were telling me. But in retrospect, that school was terrible for him. He was struggling. He was feeling horrible about himself. And I don't know what I should have done. (laughs) I couldn't have homeschooled, although I have homeschooled him a bit since then, realizing that You can work and homeschool. It's not ideal, but you can do it. And my mother-in-law lives with us, so he did have somebody to take care. I could have pulled him out at that point and started homeschooling in some way, but I didn't. So Mm -hmm. he kept going. And after that year, things got better because I really think there was some kind of an issue with that teacher. You know, I think that's where things got harder for him, but there was something going on. I think she was just humiliating him probably. You know, teachers have a way of doing that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think they were making him feel really bad about himself. So the next year was better. No year has been ideal for him, but the next year was pretty normal. And then I was his teacher the next year in sixth grade. Mm. And that was not ideal. It wasn't terrible, but it was not good. And then it was the next year that things got pretty bad. You know, it's a Catholic school, so they have demerits. So he was getting demerits left and right for Mm -hmm. doing silly stuff. I always knock on wood when I say this. He's never gotten in a fight. Mm -hmm. He's never cursed to a teacher. He doesn't do that kind of stuff. He would get in trouble for like being out of uniform, Mm -hmm. putting a sweatshirt over his uniform and forgetting to take it off. One time, this is embarrassing, but a girl dared him to walk into the girl's bathroom and he did it. That's what kids do though. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I remember when he got his first demerit, probably in third grade, and he tells the story about how he was so upset. Oh, Oh, I know. I know the whole demerit thing. I'm so not into this whole 
kind of a school Mm -hmm. at all anymore. But at the time I was so in it. He tells the story. I remember when I got my first demerit, I was so upset. I was so upset. But then I realized they don't really matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He normalized it. Yeah. Right. He normalized it. Exactly. So he was going to get expelled in seventh grade because he was not caring. There was nothing we could do as parents to make him stop doing those things. And part of it was the impulsivity. He couldn't control himself. So I pulled him out because I wasn't going to let him go through being expelled. He didn't deserve that. Plus the school wasn't doing anything for him. So I pulled him out in the middle of that year and homeschooled. But the homeschooling never worked very well because he doesn't want to work for his teachers. He doesn't want to work for me, but at least he wasn't in that environment. And then he tried public school the next year. And that didn't go so great because it was hard. You know, he's so turned off of school. Yeah. yeah and the older he gets, the harder it is. Yes. Oh, but in seventh grade was when he got his diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I guess it was right in that year. You know what it was? I had asked two of his teachers in elementary school, do you think he could have ADHD? As a teacher, we're not trained in it. No, we're not. That's something else you guys have spoken about. And teachers need to know about mm-hmm. all of this stuff. Like if these kids are in your classroom, dyslexia, ADHD, autism, how can I not know about that? That makes no sense. These kids need more. They need something different. And parents are coming to you and asking you, assuming that you have more knowledge on this stuff. Mm-hmm. Back before I had a kid with this, I didn't know anything. Yeah. You know what you know from the title, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Okay. So they have a hard time paying attention and they're hyperactive, which not all of them are hyperactive. And those are the ones that go under the radar. Right. There's so much more to it. Mm-hmm. There's a great graphic of ADHD, the iceberg. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is what we see and this is what it really is. And that's so apropos. I actually did a little presentation at my school where I am now about all of this because I've taken a couple of online courses about ADHD and I'm so passionate about it and I just couldn't wait to get the word out to teachers and I gave a little presentation and I gave them that graphic and I explained and it was great it was really well received it made me really happy because that's my calling part of my calling is to do that to be like hey guys you need to understand these kids because the sad part is Teachers are struggling so terribly with those kids and they are the bad kids for the teachers. You know, I've come the full course. I was that teacher. Right. You've got one to three in every class and you're like, oh, you know, who are my kids this year? You know, always. Yes. And you struggle with them, but you have to embrace who they are and work with it or you're doing the kids such a huge disservice. But anyway, I had talked to two teachers like, do you think he has ADHD? And they were like, no, I just think he's not working up to his potential. And that's a big thing for these kids, you know, not working up to potential. And, you know, I didn't want him to have ADHD. So, okay. You know, I wasn't like, are you sure? Are you sure? You know, I was like, all right, kind of relieved. Yeah. And we have an episode about that plagued by the burden of potential. We'll put that in the show notes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'll definitely listen to that one. I don't think I've caught that one yet. Mm -hmm. How we did get the diagnosis was because he was getting in trouble so much in seventh I was talking to a good friend who's also a kindergarten teacher, one of my very good friends, and she never taught him. But from what I was saying over and over about all this getting in trouble, she was like, Tracy, maybe he has ADHD. And that was like another light bulb moment. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh. And so we went and got him tested. And the thing about the diagnosis is it's so not a blood test. It's so subjective. And I do like the psychologist we got the testing done by, but she didn't have me ask for any teacher input, which always bothered me. It was just my form. Like to me, why wouldn't you get feedback from as many people as you could? 
the more I know about ADHD, I don't deny the diagnosis. I mean, I feel like he fits the bill perfectly. I mean, mm-hmm. he's all the ADHD things, but if it were a blood test, he would accept it more. I am curious. You had said that when you listen to us on these podcasts, that it was like light bulbs. Can you get him to listen to that podcast? Do you think? I'd love to. I've tried. I mean, I can get him to do things by bribing him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's his currency rewarding him. Yeah. I really would love to. I guess I was waiting. I wanted to talk to you guys and see what you thought, if that was a good idea. My instincts tell me that it would be. I mean, for me, it was like hit, 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 like everything you said, you know, but I know for him, and I know you guys can relate to this. If the first five minutes aren't interesting, like if you guys are talking about something else, like I might need to find the spot that pertains to him because he'll turn off right away. Just be like, right. Either stop listening or just be like, I'm not doing this. I changed my mind. Exactly. The other great strategy is to use the car. Mm -hmm. So get in the car with him. Yeah. I knew you guys would have ideas and go somewhere (laughs) that's going to take that long. Yeah. And make sure he doesn't have his phone because the phone's a problem. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. And he can sit there and say he doesn't want to listen, but... You can't help it. Yeah. You can't help it if there's sound going on. You have to listen to it. Mm -hmm. I love it. So much that we want to say. Yeah. When we have families who the parents are so committed to doing educational therapy, but the learner is reluctant, there's a couple different ways you can go about it. First is don't call it therapy. Okay. Because sometimes that word can turn kids off immediately. Absolutely. And so you can just call it educational coaching. Okay. Now, will they know eventually that it's at therapy? Yeah. My email is at cap at therapy, right? They're going to figure out what our title is, but they don't need to know that going into it necessarily. Sure. The second thing that you can really do is not give a choice about doing educational therapy, but give a choice between educational therapists. Mm -hmm. So this is something that we would like you to explore. And their job is to make school easier, faster, more efficient. You want to do things quickly anyway. And so do they. Yeah. Their ultimate goal is for you to have more free time and for us to talk about school less. Love it. We don't want to talk about this so much anymore in our house. Yes. It's affecting your relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And that's not your job as a parent. Absolutely not. One thing I want to say, he and I, Mm -hmm. I think we're atypical in the sense that for whatever reason, I've become very hands-off. He's very much a no person for better or for worse. I've backed off a lot make their own mess. And I'm not like, now it's time for this. Now it's time for this. I realize ADHD kids really thrive on structure. So I think about that sometimes a structured household might've been a good thing for him. Like, okay, we're all doing our homework now. You know, I'm not like that. And my daughter's so independent, crazy independent that my parenting style works really well for her. Now for my son, probably I should have been more. And I was very involved when he was younger, but as he got older and he wanted me less, as far as helping, you know, emotionally, we still have a connection. He accepts my academic help so much less that what I've done really is just let him fail. As terrible as that sounds, because I guess I wasn't going to mess up the relationship. A hundred percent. He just failed English and math. And 
He's been offered credit recovery of summer school. It's mm-hmm. so easy what they're offering him. And that's another thing I almost feel like maybe you guys could help him with that. Yeah. But he doesn't even want to do that. It's gotten to the point where the work is so hard and he's done so little that it's almost impossible. But with the skills that he's lacking, I get the sense that it feels impossible to him. It's beyond hard. And I've let that happen because that's how I am. I mean, I tried really hard to get him to do his work in this COVID time. I put a lot of effort into motivation, but it wasn't working. So I wasn't going to yell at him. Like that wasn't going to do anything. Do you relate to him? Too much so. I'm like crazy empathic. As a student, do you relate to him? Meaning, do I feel like I know where he's coming from? Or were you like that? Was your husband? My husband was like that. And I told him yesterday that I wish he would stop relating to him so much because I think he relates to it. And he therefore thinks that my son's going to proceed the same way he did. I don't know. I feel like it's holding my husband back. I was not like that. I mean... I didn't have the easiest time focusing. I was always the B student that wanted to be the A student. The spectrum idea makes sense to me. Can you have a touch of ADHD? I don't know. I think we all do. I do think I have a touch of it. And there were enough struggles in my life. I think that's what makes me a good teacher is that like if a kid's struggling, I'm like, I feel you. I'm there. You know, whereas my daughter, like she's so gangbuster student. She does not get it. She's like, what is wrong? Like, just do it. I want to know, what does your son want? That's a good question. I've had other people ask me that. I know he wants to have a good career. You know, he thinks about it. What has he mentioned? He's thrown out a lot of things, which, you know, I feel very sad about where he is, but it makes me happy that he's like, you know, figuring stuff out and trying to figure it out. But it seems like anything he tries He gives up right away on everything. And this is something I think could really work for him. We're kind of a foodie family. My husband and I met in a restaurant. So chef, chef, yeah, he's thought of chef. 100%. It's a great idea. It's active. It's creative. And he loves food. I'm like gangbusters mom. As soon as she says that, I'm pulling up videos like, oh, let's watch this chef. You know, like maybe too much. The first one I pulled up, I didn't preview it. Or maybe I actually did. But it said something about how being a chef is hard, like very hard. So as soon as he watched the video, he's like, I changed my mind. I don't want to do that anymore. Uh. Yeah. He's come back to it. And I know Mm -hmm. that's a definite thing. One of his strengths is his gross motor skills are excellent. He taught himself to ride a bicycle at four. He's always been a vehicle person. Yes. The school isn't working for him. And lately he's really like, I want to get a job. I want to make money. You know, maybe I can work in a fast food place or a grocery store. And I've been helping him fill out those applications. And then another thing I've thought about for him is bike shop owner because he loves bikes and he loves vehicles. And he's very, both my kids and my husband, they all have that mechanical thing. I don't get it at all. They start talking about, Mm -hmm. I can't even begin to talk about it, but they all have that. But it amazes me how much he understands the way a bike works. And I don't understand it at all, even though he's talked about it. So I've said to him, you know, you could have your own bike shop. That would be so cool. You could sell bikes. You could fix bikes. You could have a crew and whatever. He's like, no, I don't want to do that. Now, that was years ago when we were talking about jobs. But now that he literally wants a job just to make money, I refit, I brought it back. I'm like, you know, I know we're talking about fast food and we're talking about grocery stores, but... And I know I've brought up the idea of a bike shop before, so just bear with me. I'm not talking about your career per se. I'm just talking about maybe it would be fun to have a job that was something you enjoyed a little bit. You know, I'm not saying it has to be your career, but wouldn't it be cool to work in a bike shop more so than flipping burgers? And he was like, 
yeah, it would. Right. So I emailed both of the bike shops in town and they don't need anybody, but they both said, come in and, and talk to us. You know, I think they want to see, you know, does he really know about bikes or whatever? And then when they need somebody, but he doesn't even want to do that. It could also be something like he tries out a couple of things, an internship or whatever, but he's also young. So what do we do right now? Let's not get too far into the future, right? What should we do right this second that can help him? Right. Does that look like him doing that summer school or not? Does that look like him going and repeating 10th grade or not? Or does that look like getting a GED or doing some sort of different schooling approach? Those are things that you definitely need to have a conversation with him as well. Obviously, he should have some input. In California, you can't make that choice unless you're 16. Yeah, he is 16 and he knows that. But he's also in your house and you're the parent. So in addition to the schooling situation, that's really important. And we do a lot of it in our practice. But I think it works best in tandem with a therapist. A legit therapist. Yes. Yeah, he has one. We've been through quite a few and I feel like they've all been kind of phoning it in. Like there was never a connection. I Time to find a new one. Especially now with the virtual, there's going to be more people that you can access. Available. Is his therapist a man or a woman? A variety. And he never wanted to go. And, you know, it just didn't work. It didn't click, whatever. But I do have one lined up for him. His sister sees one. She's been going for a year or so, and she loves her. So he said, I want my sister's therapist. Mm -hmm. And that was good because he wants to do it. So I looked into it. And first they said it was okay. Yes. But now they don't want to do the first intake virtually. In person. And is that open in your state? It's not yet. And also we're going to have to wait a little longer because he hasn't been like the perfect quarantine person. And he's, you know, seen friends a little bit here and there. Yeah. From everything that you shared, he just seems disconnected emotionally from how he's performing. Yeah, big time. And it's a really good self-preservation instinct is to disconnect emotionally from that. So I almost feel like educational therapy is step two. Mm -hmm. And step one is let's just work on developing an understanding of who you are and why certain things seem to be more challenging for you. And just like other things are challenging for your sister. And let's focus on self-acceptance a little bit. And I have a question out of curiosity. Does he self-medicate with drugs? Yep. Okay. I had a feeling that was going on as well. Yeah. The reason we know that is because, well, we've worked with a lot of families, but also kids who are reluctant to accept their diagnosis. And ADHD is a medical diagnosis, and it is not a reflection of intelligence at all. Mm -hmm. But they don't want to take the medication for it, but they also want to feel different. Yeah. And that's why they go towards self-medicating right and smoking or which is what I'm assuming is going on yeah my other question is when he got diagnosed by the psychologist was there any other testing to look at you know because he's a black and white thinker and he's very rigid was there any testing for autism I know you said you don't know if he has any other learning disability but has there been any testing for that as well my advocate's pushing for that okay. with the trying to get in the IEP just because I think that's, you know, what she does. Like, let's 
go do every avenue. That testing, it was definitely just the ADHD. And it talked about things like processing speed and working memory. Yeah. But is that what you're talking about or not really? Mm-hmm. I just don't think a therapist would ever understand. I feel like you guys just get it. I know we need therapy, but I think it's going to be hard to find the person. I hope this person is the person. And then the more he goes to that, it doesn't work out. It's like, then he doesn't want to go. Then it's self-confirming. Yeah. Yeah. Because I brought you up when he was really having a tough time last week. And I said, I really think these ladies can help you. And he said, that's what you say about everything. And I was like, oh, oh, I know. (laughs) Okay. Well, maybe it's not this therapist. Yeah. I'm sort of leaning towards no, actually. He's on board, but your daughter's so different. And I don't want it to be a comparison between, oh, but she's this way. Right. And I don't think that the therapist would do that on purpose, but it's just human nature sometimes. Yeah. Has he liked any teacher ever? I don't think that he has. He hasn't connected. He has some that are okay. I feel instinctively that's what he needs. He desperately needs to connect with a grown-up that's not his dad or me. Yes. It can't be from you. You know, if you can find somebody that's willing to start on Zoom and continue on Zoom, that might be good because okay. he might be more willing. It's not like he has to go anywhere. It's not yeah. like it's going to take a lot out of his day. So you don't necessarily feel like the intake should be in person. Unless it's required by law. I see. I don't think it is. I don't know because every state is different. We can only speak to our own experience of doing virtual. We both started up virtually with clients during this time. It would not have been our preference before, but I think we've both been forced to accept that it works. Yeah, it does. But everybody has their process and there's also things that get missed because we're virtual. So she said she just thought it would make more sense. But I think that's doing him a disservice because we don't know how long this is going to be. And the longer it takes, the less the window is going to be open. Yeah, I agree. Honestly, I think finding a neuropsychologist to do testing, not testing through the school, yeah, is going to be important. Find a neuropsychologist and ask what therapist they work with. Okay. Because this is what they do. And your son is very much in their wheelhouse. And so they will know yeah. who might be able to work with him best. And do the testing. Find out if there's other diagnoses going on besides the ADHD. Right. A therapist that can really talk to him more about how ADHD is medical and how it's the difference between, you know, you have blue eyes and you have brown eyes. So I can't wish that I have blue eyes. I mean, I can, but it's not going to change anything. Right. So yeah accepting and working on that self-acceptance and the self-esteem and understanding who he is, I think is going to be a huge step for him, first and foremost. And I know that there's some people who do something called unschooling. Yeah, we were doing that. And how did that go? Not well, only in that he didn't want to do anything. You know, it was... Can you talk a little bit about what unschooling is for our audience in case people don't know? So unschooling is... Basically, where you're letting the student or learner navigate and go to what interests them. Mm -hmm. So it's not sitting down and doing, you know, here's your math and here's your English and here's your, you know, all those things. It's more of if he's interested in cooking or baking, which is very math centered. Right. 
then he can do that because you have to double recipes and you have to know how to work with fractions and things like that, right? Or if he's very mechanical and my brother is the same way, my brother went to mechanic school after high school. He doesn't actually do anything with it, but it was something to work with his hands and that he felt like he could be good at. Right. And he enjoys it and does it on his free time and has cars that he works on just for fun. Yeah, my husband does that. Yeah, so does my father. So I get it. (laughs) So I don't want it to get to the point where he says, I'm done, and that be it. Yeah. I mean, he did, but then he came back from it. Yeah. He recovered. And here's the thing. I'm not advocating for him to stop school, but some kids need to do the GED. He talked about that. I know of a kid who actually went to online school and had tutors to help him get through online school. And then he went and took his GED. Yeah. And then he went to culinary school. Yeah. (laughs) And then he eventually went to college and he went to a very good college. So now remember, your son is 16, but with ADHD, they tend to be three years behind. So really three years behind his peers. So he's really 13. Yeah. And that's not his fault. And that's not something that we can control or just make change. But I think he needs to work on getting some support. You said he was bright and probably the reason in fourth grade, we've talked about this before, that he fell apart besides the school and the teacher is that third to fourth grade is when things change in the curriculum. And he could compensate up until then, which means he probably does have a higher IQ. And so because he was compensating, And then when everything got dramatically harder and he didn't learn the skills and strategies to be able to solve something that was harder for a kid that had to learn how to do that, it ends up backfiring. And so for a kid like him, I would really want to know what the diagnoses really are so we can help really get a good map of what's going on. Yeah, that's my instinct too. He will say, when I do say something about it, he'll say, well, I didn't try my best. A lot of kids will say that. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really try. So therefore that diagnosis is not valid. Great. Let's go do this again. We need to know what's really going on. Besides the fact that a lot of it isn't about trying, they can see and know because this is what they do right? So he's not the only kid that says that or does that and uses as a a coping strategy. Right. So if you're upfront and you tell the neuropsychologist that that's what he said in the past, they'll be ready. They'll know because they can read into the results and figure out what they actually need to test for and use. Right. And I think that with a psychologist doing therapy. And, you know, there's other types of therapy as well. There's art therapy, there's music therapy, there's other types of things that are not just talk therapy. Right. So if something like that is an option and he'd be open to, I would check into that. And I would see about figuring out what he wants and then bringing ed therapy into the mix. Yeah, I hear you. So for a kid like him, he already doesn't feel good about himself. Yep. And what we're suggesting, and I think you're spot on with kind of first do this, then do this, then do that. But what about the element of he's going to look around and realize, oh my God, something is so wrong with me. Look how many different support systems my parents are putting in front of me and have put in front of me. That's a messaging without saying words, right? So what do you think about that? 
Well, I think it's complicated because I think he's already at a point where without the support, he thinks he's dumb. Oh, yeah. He wants to quit, and rightly so. And so I don't know that would make it worse. It's a good point. I also think that he's old enough that, Tracy, you got to get his buy-in for this plan. 100%. I know. That's the million-dollar question, how to do that. Well, it might be like your dad and I are talking about it. We think you can do school. We think we've found people who understand you. We didn't even know this existed. And now we know. So you got to go listen to the podcast because these girls are talking about you and they've never met you. But we also want to honor what's happened for 10 years of school that you've been in. Yeah. So we just want to make sure we're all making the most informed decision, which means we're open to talking about GED. But there are certain expectations of like, you have to be able to cover the material of that. There's still something that you're going to have to do and achieve here. And we believe you can do it. But we want to have the most informed decision possible. This is what we think will lead to that kind of informed decision. What do you think about it? He should have an opinion. Yeah. And it's not going to be a quick answer because it's going to take you some time to find the right people to work with. Mm Mm-hmm. That's kind of a big problem. That's what's looming in my head right now. It's going to take a minute. So he's going to have to have patience through it. We would like you to work with them in the meantime. Let's get started on these classes. The idea of you having to do a whole nother year of school when you already don't like school. No, we don't want that for you. So right now we're moving forward with the expectation that you're going to graduate in 12th grade. With the understanding that you might not. We might pivot and do the GED. Yeah. But in the meantime, let's act as if and try talking to them. Meaning you guys? We could start with us. Yeah. You know, we're advocating for therapy as well, but it's not necessarily one has to start before the other. I feel like you guys would help him. I really (laughs) do. Like, I totally hear what you're saying, and I know he needs therapy, but... I don't know why I have so little faith in the helpers that I found here around me. I'm not kidding. I was ready to fly to California. Yeah, I know. You emailed us. I've been needing to hear this. This is it. Yeah. No one is hearing me. It's like I'm in a void. Right. Well, Penny Williams also might have some resources because you guys are in the same state. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I will email her today. She's fantastic. And Yeah, I love her also. Very personable. She and I have chatted a couple of times on Facebook and she's great. So her son, you know, has, has struggles and he's similar age. Yeah. I think that's a really good resource to point her in. You can start there or she knows somebody who knows somebody. Yeah. Right. It's going to your network and exploiting the connections in your network for sure. Exactly. Yes. I honestly don't feel like in my gut that the therapist your daughter uses is going to be the right fit for your son. You got to trust your mommy instincts. We listen to experts. Yeah. We listen to people who are supposed to help. And everybody's going with the realm of their experience. But when you have that little voice inside your head, just like you're telling us, ed therapy is going to be a turning point. It very well could be. Mm -hmm. And we're open to discussing that virtually and how that would work and what that would look like. But as an ed therapist, I don't need him to believe his diagnosis. All we need is a glimmer of hope. And a willingness when we're virtually to look at each other on the screen, which means it's not like this. 
And it's not like that. Right. (laughs) You guys can't see, but Rachel is pointing the camera of her computer up to the ceiling. (laughs) As long as he's willing to hang out with us for 50 minutes, we can get him to the next trajectory. And, you know, I have another student that I've been working with. She's in ninth grade. And at the end of each semester, I use it as an opportunity to kind of reflect and, okay, where were we? Where are we now? Where are we going? Yeah. Because I want to mark those moments. And it was very interesting to hear her kind of reflect on where are we now? Because one of the first things she said was, I understand myself now. I know. I got chills. Because we talked so much about her diagnosis, and we can do that without the language of it, mm-hmm. but just say, yeah, kids like you do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And the reason I know is because there's hundreds of kids like you that we've worked with over the years between Steph and I, and yep. let me normalize that experience for you. You're not the only one, and you're not even that interesting to me because you're so typical. Of the kids that I work with. (laughs) I've said that to her before. I'm like, I adore you because I think you're a great person. But as a case, you're not that interesting because I've done it before. (laughs) She got this big smile on her face because she's like, Mm -hmm. so often they're told you're different. But for me, you're hardly different. (laughs) So... I love it. Like I mentioned my friend who connected with him and yeah, I feel like that's a talent that not everybody has. He's not going to be like, okay, let's do this. You know, totally. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know, you know, this, I see it. That's why I want you guys. But so many people have just been like, I don't know. The people that you hire should not be confused by him. We shouldn't be yeah. befuddled by it. They are, they are Rachel. You know, there are experts But they're experts within being an expert, right? Yes. So having that niche of working with that type of profile, like your son, is what somebody who has been doing it and understands and knows what works. And I think that's how you get buy-in from him. You can even reference this conversation that we're having right now. But you say to him, this is what I learned. We were hiring people who didn't have experience working with kids like you. And that's on us. We made that mistake. And that's why it didn't work. Since he is black and white, make it very like, we were taking you to a cardiologist who works on your heart for something that was going on with your right leg. Your leg. Yeah. This is why we do this podcast. Because this is a resource that we know could impact kids in other states who don't have awareness or access to ed therapy. Yes. I'm so, so, so thankful that you do this podcast. You have no idea. I feel like I've looked for this person and they don't exist, but hopefully if I go to Penny, she'll be able to help me. And I think I'm going to have to go out of my town. Might have to with COVID and everything's virtual. It's not going to be a problem. Right. Good point. Yeah. So do you have any other questions for us? (laughs) You can always email us. Can I keep you in my back pocket? (laughs) Can I call you every day? Uh, Okay. I can always email you. That was my question. Yes. We'll continue the conversation about starting educational therapy for him. But what we want you to do is have a sit down with him when he's open to it. Say, there's some things I want to talk to you about. When would be a good time for you? Have your husband's buy-in on this as well and the adults in his life and make it very clear. We don't want our relationship with you only to be about school stuff. 
We really like you. Yep. And you're a great kid to be around. And we're looking down the barrel of you moving out at some point. And we just want to enjoy the time we have with you at home. And so we want to do this testing because you don't consider it valid. Here's Rachel and Steph. Go listen to the podcast. Let him decide which one of us he wants to work with. Yep. Or do an intake session with Steph, an intake session with me, and let him make the decision. And let's get this testing going for him. Yep. So I have plenty to do on my action list. (laughs) This has been amazing. I knew it would be, and it's been all that I hoped for. We're so glad that you came on. You guys are so, so amazing. I mean, you're doing such an amazingly good thing by putting the word out there. All right. Well, thank you for coming on and doing this because I know that this episode will impact so many listeners who are going to hear you and think, oh, she gets it. If you've connected with Tracy's episode, go post it in the Facebook group so that she can feel even more validated and understood. All right. Thanks so much for being here, Tracy. You're awesome. Thanks.